Hello, and welcome to Nitty Gritty, the podcast that celebrates the many and any which ways of finding and growing a creative practice. I'm your host, artist and painter Kate Florence, and I will be chatting with emerging artists and creatives all around Australia about the ups and downs of creative living what they've learned from their struggles and celebrating the importance of sharing our stories honestly. Together, we are stronger. Okay, well, welcome. Thanks so much for coming to sit down with me today and for obviously to Sean for hosting us in this beautiful, perfect recording space. I know, isn't it so beautiful in here? (laughs) so yeah I mean we shared a studio five years ago now that seems like crazy to think five years ago it feels like I don't know it feels like I've seen your journey as well over such a long period of time and like sort of come in and out of each other's lives and yeah yeah it's been really amazing as well to like witness you at the very beginning I actually don't know if that was the very beginning of your journey when you first moved in we both moved into the studio at the same time in Brunswick and then Yeah, it's been amazing to watch from near and afar, like your evolution and your journey and your growth with your work. Yeah, a lot's happened in five years, it feels like. (laughs) It really has. But I think what I've admired about your work and you for so long is like your identity and your like, it feel your work feels so authentic Mm. and it feels like such a true expression of you and like so genuinely yeah like intuitive and I think that's genuinely really hard to to do as an artist and to to be truly original (laughs) is something that I really feel like you've always managed to do that's very very generous (laughs) I feel like that surely yeah I think has I guess always been the goal and yeah it's really nice to hear that it obviously comes across to you in that way which is very kind yeah (laughs) And so where did it sort of begin? Because I don't, I don't think I know this either. Like, mm. where did the practice, your art practice kind of start? And yeah, would love to know, like, sort of where it's sourced mm. from. Well, I guess, you know, when I was a kid, I guess I have to tell this story now. But when I was young, like, my brother and I were always really obsessed with stories, like, mm. all the time, to the point where we had all these imaginary characters. We would be <laughs> would you be in the same story you and your brother or you would both create your same own? story oh, that's yeah. so cute <laughs> yeah for a long time I'm really adding myself here but I had this character that I you know pretended to be called yeah. Melanie Teabag <laughs> Melanie Teabag Melanie Teabag oh my god she sounds like a babe she's a boss <laughs> she's a bit of a boss um but she like she had this whole life this whole story and my brother And I would like interchange between characters in this other world we made. But we wrote all these books about them. That was our, you know, what we did in our pastime. So we wrote like all these ridiculous stories and about their lives and things that they would do. And I guess that was something that I then carried on into like high school. Like I just loved writing little stories. I loved like being different characters and just drew all my school books like, you know, you're probably the same, but like covered in drawing. I still do that. I still yeah, do yeah. it on like someone's on the phone to me while I'm writing a list. I'm like, yeah. do, 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 do yeah. it on the side. Just yeah. drawing all the time, just like very much like little characters and things and like, you know, I'm very much in the imaginary world and mm. just I just was really drawn to that. And then, you know, like in my early 20s, 
I felt like I'd sort of moved away from that a little bit. Like I was really into like photography and I loved like horror film, like film noir. Like I loved all mm. of that, like that kind of, yeah, new world to me. Like I did photography at school and just like loved it. And then, yeah, my early 20s, like I became quite sick and spent like a lot of time at home, a lot of time in bed. And I just started painting. I can't even remember what necessarily would have like spurred me into that moment but just was really drawn to painting and would sit on my floor probably wrecked a lot of like carpet but like you know just putting out like newspaper or like getting into a little nook in the house and just like painting like finger painting or painting with brushes and it was just I just really enjoyed it and so from there it just really felt like an outlet for me to just yeah be myself and my form of mindfulness like I never really could meditate or do anything like that mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was a young person like I just didn't have the attention and I just couldn't really see how it was helping me at that time and I think yeah on reflection you know in a way that was that is my version of mindfulness yeah. was going somewhere quiet listening to music or just being in my own thoughts and it was really soothing yeah. and really helpful and it really allowed me like a lot of space to yeah just understand more about what was going on and it was just enjoyable as well so I was you know became very obsessed with it (laughs) and then I got a studio in on Kerr Street I don't know if you know in Melbourne in where's that in Fitzroy yeah in Fitzroy like a little you know it was like three by two meter like a little nook (laughs) and I just spent all my time there every spare second I just could and then, yeah, that, I guess that takes me to about 20, 24, 25. And then, yeah, I guess interesting about the studio, like I just, by chance, just like word of mouth, friend to friend was like, yep, come have a look at the studio, rock up. Yep, that was the one sharing with a friend of mine, end up being perfect. And then, yeah, I guess from there, I've been in that studio for like five years. I've taken yes, a few sabbaticals. There. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, um... Yeah, I took some time off because I went and did a residency out Mm -hmm. in a place called Dunmuchen. (laughs) And then I also, yeah, shared another studio in Melbourne while I was living out of town and some friends of mine were in the studio and then now I'm back here. Mm. Yeah. So amazing and it's so special to hear that story of Melanie (laughs) Teabag. What an icon she is. And also, yeah, that's what it truly feels like with your work, that you are creating these imaginary, playful, really otherworldly kind of images that are so childlike. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what is so special is about, like, the fact that you haven't lost that childlike quality within mm-hmm. your work. And I can really, I feel like that really comes through, like, the story of the source and, yeah, like, the fact that you've brought that to present day. And I think yeah. it's so important to not lose that, you know. Like, as we grow older, it's so easy to lose that. Mm. You know, we become more serious. We have to be told that we need to do a serious job and we need to start, you know, being an adult. But I think, naturally, it's it's so important to mm. keep hold of the childlike things that can be frowned upon as you get older, you know. Totally. I think there's been a lot of points, I guess, yeah, in my journey to being an artist where I've thought like, oh, I should paint something more serious (laughs) or like, oh, Mm. will people take me seriously if I paint this kind of like subject matter or like, you know, from the source in in this case, like will people, and I think sometimes that's 
been like a real source of anxiety for me, being like, oh, I'm not going to be taken seriously. But then when I actually reframe that, it's like, well, is it just that we live in a society where we think that playfulness is just for children? Yeah. You know, and like, oh, will we only be taken seriously if we're pa- painting serious things? Like, yeah. And it's just not true. It's not true. And the world needs more playful <laughs> things. It needs yeah. more joy and silliness and vibrancy, you know. Mm. Like we can't – I totally can resonate, yeah, with that though, like why you would feel that way. It's like there's some part of your brain or like I've had this before, like, you know, painting something that feels a bit silly but you're like – it's hard to sort of place that like what does that mean and you know you don't want to think oh how will other people perceive this but there is there's some element that you of you that feels a bit silly for like presenting that as art you know you're like but but you do it so beautifully and your pieces like you know you've worked with so many amazing galleries and you've Mm -hmm. put it in that like more formal setting Mm -hmm. and it really works like in in so many different ways and I think that's just a Credit to, yeah, you sticking to your guns and Mm. sticking to your truth and (laughs) not letting the, like, yeah, the negative self-talk kind of come in and be like, oh, Mm. be more serious. (laughs) Oh, it definitely still, you know, definitely chirps in my ear. Like, it would be a lie to say that sometimes I'm like, oh, like, you know, what, who am I? What do I want to be? What do I want to paint? But, you know, I think that just happens when you just naturally have a job where it's like you're producing it and the world is seeing it all the time you're just constantly in a space of always thinking about what you're doing why you're doing it what's the intention where's it gonna go who is it for all these Mm -hmm. big questions so you kind of like you know analysis paralysis or whatever you just kind of like think too much you're like let's go back to the origin of what I'm actually doing. What's it all about? Like, I don't need to overthink this, you know? And like, I think a lot of artists, particularly, you know, the last couple of years, seeing like the world be like a really hard place to be. And there's like a lot going on. I think people feel that's been hard to make work or hard to produce work. But I think that's kind of like when we need to keep making work and artists and, you know, anyone, we need to make art during times like this. I think that's really important, like more than ever in those harder times. So, yeah, more silliness, more play. (laughs) It's so true, isn't it? Because art is something that pulls pulls us out of our thinking space and into Mm -hmm. just like your heart space and feeling and just, yeah, like exploring your... Uh, like we have this block with word with spoken Mm. word communication like Mm. art is such a deepest form of you know expression that I think that it's so important for everyone Mm. even if you think you're not creative like you will be on some level like it's so true that yeah like the world seems a pretty hectic place at, at the minute and I guess has done for the past few years and yeah I think it's so important to to keep that fire burning because yeah. <laughs> otherwise we like you know like you have yeah, we'll to yes yeah <laughs> literally yeah. and I think it's so powerful because it really brings community together across so many different cultures and ideas and like what it all boils down to is like support and mm-hmm. connection and belonging whatever form that looks like or whatever you know people want it to mean for them so yeah it's very special yeah it is and how have you gone with like 
turning something that is so authentic and passionate that, you're, that is you, I guess, into monetizing, you know, like putting a value on your work and being like, cool, someone wants to buy this. You, I'm, I'm sure you would be making the work regardless of, you know, if it had a, if, if it was for sale, but mm -hmm. how have you gone about, um, yeah, putting a price on mm -hmm. something that is, um, so naturally something you would be doing anyway? Mm, that's a really good question. I feel like this is a question that I feel like I've had with so many artists yeah. over the years. It's something that I feel like doesn't naturally come very easily to a lot of like, femme or female identifying artists particularly. <laughs> I guess when we see like our often male masculine identities like often do this quite confidently or with ease. Yeah. So and there's no guilt around it. It's like this is what yeah. I'm worth. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I guess I think it's been a really hard journey. I don't know if you're, you're similar. I like feel like I've had a lot of conversations with other artists about this, but yeah, I guess it just has naturally progressed in that way, like having shows and getting like exhibitions mm -hmm. and people like commissioning me for work and stuff like that. And now, yeah, I guess it gets to a point where it's like conceptualizing like all of the time that you put in, all of the materials that you use like oh, art materials are so expensive at the yeah, moment <laughs> I know. I yeah. gone up so much yeah they? it's pretty wild yeah and it's things like this that are really hard like unless you're doing them like you know it's like you rent your space mm -hmm. um you pay for your materials if you show it at a gallery they take usually 50 percent mm -hmm. And I think framing as well. Oh like yeah, framing. Gosh, a whole another <laughs> level of and then shipping. Oh yeah, photography. Yep. There's so many fees involved. Totally. And yeah. often you don't see a return straight away, do you? So you kind of just like no. have to risk spending the money in the hope to see some sort of return. <laughs> yeah, you're never you're never going to get paid for the hours that you've put in. Yep. That is just like unfortunately not part of the gig at this no. point, <laughs> no. because you're kind of always a little bit doing that work. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's just part of the gig. But, yeah, it's interesting, I think, as well when you meet people and I think unless you're kind of part of that or you know someone very closely and you kind of see all of this back-end stuff, yeah. Um, yeah, just naturally people don't really know about all of those things. Like I feel like one of the most common thing I get is when people are like, oh, yeah, like, like oh, yeah, the gallery takes that amount, that percentage, 50%, and they're like, what? Know, no I way. <laughs> crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's just the world we live in. That's just like, that's what it is. It's yeah. a business. Like, yeah. they have to survive as well, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I really answered your question at all, to be honest, just then. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. I feel you like did. I just kind of went around. And, but is there a difference? So you... When you first started selling work, how did mm. you approach that? Was it that you were making work and people were like, hey, I want to buy this? Or were you mm. actively being like, okay, I'm going to make a collection of work and I'm going to put it for sale? Like, how did that yeah. start? Yeah, people just kind of approached me, I guess. Probably my my OG fans, shout out to mum. Oh, um, was like, ow. <laughs> <laughs> just hit my head on the foot. <laughs> oh, God. For anyone listening, Kate just hit her head. <laughs> I've got about one brain cell left. <laughs> um, yeah, like shout out to my mom. I mean, it's like that's where it starts, right? It's family and friends, how they normally start off by saying like, oh, like 
we really love this. We want to have it, you know, in our house. And so you're like, have it, have it, you know, <laughs> take it. Like, cool. And it yeah. feels really good and it feels really nice, you know, to be received in that way. Like it's always a nice moment to feel like, yeah, your work has been received in a way that brings uh, something to someone else. But, yeah, and then I guess from there people just kind of reached out. Like I posted a lot, I guess, on Instagram. I think it was like a personal account before it was a – art account and then it just kind of went up from there really yeah and you gradually increased the prices kind of as you went on building slowly yeah Yeah. I feel like there was probably the biggest jump was probably around about like 2015 2016 2017 and how many years into your practice were you there like that's probably like three years from like starting to paint to being like okay I now I'm starting to consider myself an artist or I'm actually selling work, you know, not just for like pennies. Like I'm just like, oh, I could like survive of this now. Twenty, Yeah, up until like 2019, it was like dribs and drabs, people like being like messaging me over social media and stuff like that Mm -hmm. or emailing me. And then, yeah, then when I got a studio, I feel like it kind of took it to like another another level and I guess I was also taking myself more seriously at that point I was like okay I've committed to a studio so now I'm going to put in the work and you just have to put in hours at that point you know you just like you're just learning how to do it Yeah. yeah and I remember kind of maybe fairly early on into me being at the studio I remember being so like inspired by you because you made this collection of work maybe it was like six works quite big-ish ones Mm -hmm. and you were like yeah I'm just gonna hang them in my space oh yeah (laughs) and I'm gonna like open my doors and I'm gonna post on Instagram (laughs) that I'm doing like a open studio I guess and Mm. I was like oh much respect like I want to get to that point where I can do that you know and people can come through look at the work meet you in person Mm. see your space connect Mm. with you and yeah it was you I feel like you've always been subtly very proactive Mm, thank you yeah that's very nice feeling seen uh (laughs) no yeah that's true I guess a big thing that I noticed which I still very much want to hold on where I can now is like people just really want to meet you you know it's really important like I feel the same when I buy art um I love meeting who made it I want to hear about the story behind it like I want to if I can like see where they made it like that means so much and I feel like yeah I really enjoyed that experience and I thought yeah it's I don't need to be like at that point I was so new as well. I was like, oh, it doesn't matter if like I don't show in a gallery at this point. I was just wanting people to see it, um, mm. whatever that looked like. So, yeah, I literally just got everything out of my studio, <laughs> put up walls. six works. Yeah, I And think. then you, I remember you sent an email out as well. I'm pretty yeah, sure you did like yeah. a little catalogue. I did. I made yeah. like a little booklet on Microsoft PowerPoint. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but it's so it amazing though because like you laugh, but then like I remember, you know, receiving that email and then seeing your mm. this project and I was like, wow, like this is so cool, you know. Like there's no like – you know, that's such an internal thing, I think, yeah. for us, isn't it? Like, oh, well, I made it on, like, this really <laughs> tiny platform and, like, people are going to think I'm silly because it's not done professionally or whatever. Yeah, I remember being, like, sending it to a friend being like, is this all right? And they were like, yeah, it's great. Like, what program did you I was like, PowerPoint. <laughs> like, Microsoft yeah. Word, babe. <laughs> yeah, Microsoft Word. It's pretty good. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And then moving forward, like how have you approached working with galleries? Because I feel mm. like 
there's a lot of mystery in the art world around this mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of artists like talking I guess about this world of working with galleries I know a lot of people that want to work with galleries and they mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable they don't know how other people are doing it like should mm-hmm. they contact the gallery are they waiting to be contacted by the gallery like yeah. how have you approached working with galleries mm. yeah I just want to like second that it can feel really scary yeah. and I yeah I think what you just said is that there isn't really a guidebook like a lot of people feel a bit overwhelmed or don't really know where to start which is totally fair enough like and you know as much as I have worked with galleries like I still do feel like it's a bit unknown to me in a lot of ways but I guess the way that it started off for me is like my first show like in a gallery they approached me after (laughs) after that show I had in my studio (laughs) they saw photos of it and they were like you know would you like to show with us like that was at no vacancy and they were like yeah we've you know been following your work kind of thing and um yeah we're interested if you want to have a have a show with us and so I was like yes that sounds great I remember (laughs) that show I didn't realize that was your first proper gallery show yeah did you show twice with them or just once which means I think I came to the opening of it Mm, and just once yeah you were there Mm and that's so impressive that was your first show I mean that was only in Gosh, I hope I'm not like getting my eyes crossed, but that was only in 2020, which is crazy. That was my first gallery. Yeah, wow. But before that, I just had one at my house. Yeah. I had this rogue show at my house. <laughs> I love that. And then you did. I remember studio. now you telling me this before, actually. I feel like, yeah. So what did you do? You just like opened your house up. I asked my housemates at the time. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was in a share house uh, in West Melbourne. And I was like, wow, this room is like perfect for an exhibition. (laughs) And yeah, that was my first proper show. That was in like 2018 or 2017. Yeah. And they said yes. And I just moved all of the furniture out, put all, hung it up. How many pieces did you show? I'm going to say there was seven maybe or eight. Wow. Which is crazy. Yeah. That's so amazing. It's like you don't need to be waiting for the most like iconic space, especially, you know, when you're starting. I think it's so important to just work with what you've got. And I think that's such an inspiring thing because, you know, you're not putting all these pressures on yourself to like spend more money on doing this Mm -hmm. and that. You're just like, cool, this this is my house. Like I'm just going to have a show. And did lots of people come? Yeah. Heaps of people came. And did you sell all the work? <laughs> yeah, I sold all the work, which yes. is wild. And then got a little, you know, we all turned into a bit of a party, I think, at that point. Because <laughs> we're in a house. Yeah, you know, I think there's something really to be said, like, though, for having it in your own space or, like, you know, which wherever you want to show it because you then end up having a lot of control over things that you don't. Mm. So there's, you know, pros and cons when you're in a gallery you know, they will place the work sometimes in consultation with you, but sometimes not. Yeah. And there's just a lot of things you have control over. So I feel like, yeah, it's it's a really great way to start out. Then you can like, you know, photograph the space, you can set it up, you can do things that you probably wouldn't do in galleries, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think is just really, it makes it interesting, to be honest. Yeah. And I imagine like as a person going to that, you're mm. like, even more it's interesting you know you're going to the home of where the artist lives and then you're yeah. seeing their space and you're meeting them in a space that's not like a rigid mm-hmm. gallery environment mm-hmm. you're not overwhelmed with like a big opening night with loads of people and and that's that those things are great but I think 
on a connection level mm. and mm-hmm. as a person that maybe would really want to buy a piece of your work like they'd probably feel so like connected and welcome in mm-hmm. a space that's just literally so nonchalant it's just your yeah, house and you put some pieces up literally like, hey, come in <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is a great thing to reflect on and I'm so glad that I did it yeah and that was only th- like no vacancy was only three years ago I'm still a bit boggled by that yeah I know a lot's happened right like and you feel like you've just grown so much since then like yeah. you've done so many shows mm. and like you've worked with Michael Reed mm-hmm. who are you yeah mm. nice you've worked yeah. with backwards gallery yep. you've put together and um, between painters mm-hmm. you are absolute <laughs> powerhouse thank you very very nice I really want to talk about Between Painters, actually, because yeah. collaboration, I feel like, is something that is so present within your mm. practice. But also, I just think it's so special, that project of painters joining forces and creating mm. works. Can you share some, something <laughs> about it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I yeah have never worked on like a project of this scale with other artists. Like, I guess it was really born out of, you know, coming in and out of lockdowns mm. in Melbourne and just feeling really kind of lonely and isolated and really craving my community. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes being a painter or being an artist is a, quite a lonely job. Mm-hmm. Um, you spend a lot of time in your studio by in yourself, head, in your own head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, you really, really need to have other artists around you to build your community, people to talk to, like, yeah and navigate the world um and so yeah I basically just really reached out to heaps of artists that I love some of them I knew some of them were friends Mm -hmm. or acquaintances but a lot of them were just people that I knew from like social media or I'd been to their shows before and I really admired their work and yeah just in like a massive group chat just being like hey is this something anyone would want to do? I really want to do this project. The idea behind it is that we have a space where we can all talk and like bounce ideas of each other. And the idea is that you're paired with another artist Mm -hmm. and you need to make work together. And it's meant to be challenging. The whole idea around it was that it's meant to challenge your practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it, it ended up being so interesting and yeah, just such amazing insights and like really difficult at times as well in terms of like people finding the process naturally really difficult. Like to get to the point where you're a painter you or you're an artist, you know, you've had to do a lot of work on your own. And so working with another person on a painting is not easy. And someone with a <laughs> totally different style. Yeah. Different yes. approach and... Yeah, again, it's that control thing, isn't it, of like Mm. you're able to create a painting exactly how you want, but when you've suddenly got to bring someone else into the mix, like I can't imagine (laughs) how hard that would have been. Yeah, I think it's interesting and I feel like it's important to note that I actually like part of my painting journey was like one summer when I learned how to use oil paints, two friends and and I, we all kind of got together and spent the whole summer learning of each other how to use oil paints. And we had an exhibition at the end of like that summer that was works we'd all made together. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where this idea, I feel like I got so much out of that Mm -hmm. and like learnt so much about um, how to paint and how to use paint and just 
so much of it was just born out of exploration and experimentation and yeah kind of pushing through like sitting with work that you maybe don't like love what you've done or you don't don't love what they've made but being like well I do this normally when I paint Mm -hmm. but you kind of have to sit with it in a different way when someone else has made the marks and you've got a different like level of kind of um accountability when you're painting with another person so that's kind of where it spurred from and then I was like oh I really just want to like feminine energy (laughs) I just really want to be around women and femmes and it just felt like yeah the perfect thing to to do so yeah Mm. and did you approach the gallery to host the the project for Mm. you like the exhibition I did. I said, I've got a really crazy idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your space would be perfect. <laughs> and it honestly was. It's yeah. the perfect space because it's so big. Yeah, backwards is yeah. like beautiful, like massive white walls, big ceiling. Mm. And like I knew that because we had so many people involved and everyone had – some people had just one work but some people had like up to, you know, four – works in one case there was like heaps of like there was 32 little works to make up a bigger piece so I was like we're gonna need a really big space and that was just perfect Mm -hmm. and um yeah the gallery was really accommodating and super excited and on board with the whole thing and um yeah it honestly was like everyone was so easy to work with it was a dream (laughs) yeah and um yeah I I loved it like it was the first project that I curated and how did you find with like I guess if you if you if you feel like it's a project that's come purely from excitement and passion, maybe it wouldn't feel, was, was it stressful at all or not really? No, I didn't really find it stressful. I feel like everyone was, you know, really good at just like figuring out how they're going to, how they were going to work with their pair mm-hmm. um, and very like independent and autonomous in that space. Um, I think the hardest thing was probably just like, yeah, at the end, like making sure that like all the works arrived at the gallery and then figuring out where they're going to go and making sure that they all really complemented each other yeah. as well. And so did you curate it as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah with lots of like guidance from <laughs> the gallery. But yeah, like, yeah, it was really cool. Like just so many different works as well, like definitely gave me a whole nother level of appreciation for curators and like all the work that they do. <laughs> like when something is well executed, well curated, like you, yeah, you can just see it feels, flows right. Yeah. So much consideration, isn't it, in which pieces read well next to each other and yeah, like the flow of a of an exhibition is so important but like so hard to actually get right. Totally not my forte, like I'm happy to just do some work and pass it to someone who has the eye to, like, gauge how it should flow. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Especially, like, I mean, both of our works are very, like, colourful and quite large. Like, I feel like you work quite large as well. Like, yeah. yeah. And, like, when you've also been staring at them for so long, I'm like, by the time I hand it over, I kind of want nothing to do with it. Yeah. (laughs) The the excitement and the energy is, like, the the beginning, like, the genesis of the work Mm. and then the... Yeah, and by the time the work's finished, it's like, I don't know about you, but I'm like, okay, I've got another idea. I want to do that now, you know, like you're ready for it to be. If it sits around for too long, it gets stagnant for me anyway, like massive stagnant energy. And 
yeah, I think it, it's important to to shift things along. Totally, yes. I'm definitely done by the time they're like ready. It's like I need to move on now to the next project. Yeah. 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 And you mentioned challenge just then <laughs> when we were talking about collaboration. And yeah, what's like, would you say that your practice is a challenge or like are you constantly in in the sort of mix of feeling challenged with your work Mm, yeah definitely I mean I think that's probably why I like am so drawn to painting it feels really challenging like it's a puzzle trying to figure it out and it's so stimulating in that way I guess as well let alone working with other people in the mix is like a whole other level of challenge you know everyone works so differently everyone Mm. uses materials quite differently how do you you know complement them but yeah I think painting is like so hard like it's so challenging sometimes I'm like why am I doing this this is so difficult I feel like I'm not good at this at all like you know you have those Mm. moments and then you're like I love this. This is the best thing ever. I love my job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And because it's so difficult and every painting is such a teacher, like I really feel that way. I was saying this the other day, like, you know, you can go through so many, like a thousand deaths in a painting. Like Mm -hmm. you think, oh, I love this, love this bit of the painting. And then kind of ends up being like, I have to, to make this uh, progress I have to get rid of this yeah it's detaching <laughs> isn't it I yeah. think that for me has been like one of the biggest lessons is I haven't ever really been too overly attached to certain things but when it comes to like areas of a painting mm. you're like look I can't actually grow unless I just progress like unless I just destroy you know, it yeah (laughs) just burn it yeah (laughs) but yeah you do you have to detach from the outcome I think you have to you have to be accepting of that like in order to yeah improve or in order to make a painting move along you have to like detach and it's so hard definitely or even like you paint something sometimes and you're like okay I painted it but yeah it's not for the world to see I just needed to get that out I don't know if you do a lot of that but I do a lot of like little warm-up drawings warm-up paintings and then they just yeah they don't necessarily need to see the light of day (laughs) yeah definitely because it's just it's not for anyone else is it yeah it's for you it's for warming up it's for like getting an idea down Mm -hmm. I don't know about you but sometimes I have an idea in my head I'm like oh I want to try that and it (laughs) just looks terrible yeah and I'm like okay well that idea is done now and I'm not going to do anything else with it (laughs) and I'm just going to move on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've had some terrible ideas. I think like that's how you progress. Like, and that's why coming back to the between, you know, painters project, like it's so important to have your community to like air those ideas sometimes and be like, what do you think about this? Can Mm -hmm. I just like talk this idea out? Yeah. And you just, yeah tell me your absolute honest (laughs) thoughts and I think that's what I really seek in a lot of other artists is yeah just like straight up honesty yeah is this really bad or (laughs) it's so important isn't it the honesty thing because realistically you actually just can't or I personally prefer getting critical feedback to positive because positive is great and there's a time and a place for it and like obviously it's great to be praised yeah yeah (laughs) but you can't, I don't know, like, I feel like I can't improve yeah. if I'm just being told, yeah, it's it's good. Like, yeah, it's great. 
You're yeah, like, like if I want that's praise, why I love Sonia so much. <laughs> she's yeah, yeah. straight away like it's not your best work. <laughs> like, yeah, Sonia. Or you're like not sure about this section here. I'm like, it's got to be with someone you trust, though. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like yes, you've got to, it's to find <laughs> it's the fine balance of hearing sometimes mm. hearing feedback from someone, and, and it, you don't know if you can fully take it on board because you don't know if you trust what they have, what totally. their vision is, or what they, what yes. their feedback is. So I think yeah. it is that fine line of like letting go of some people's comments and then taking on board some other people's comments. But it's just the existential difficult thing of finding the balance of knowing what your opinion is or is my opinion what that person just said because they've told me they don't like that colour or whatever. Totally, and it's so deeply personal, right? And I think sometimes we're not ready to hear some comments. Mm -hmm. 100%. (laughs) You know, some feel more sensitive or a bit pricklier than others. So, yeah, like exactly what you said, having the right people that, you know, it's delivered in a way where you're not feeling like sensitive to things that they say. And yeah, Sonia is a great one as well for me. Like I always (laughs) message her saying, what do you think about this? And I know I'll get absolute um, straight up truth. And the thing is, like, that's I love that. And I don't have to also uh, take everything she says on board. And it doesn't. That's just kind of we're in a really (laughs) healthy relationship in that way. Like (laughs) we can kind of give and take and we don't have to feel that, um, you know, what the other one says is the is the correct way. Mm. It's just an an opinion that we value. And I think that's really important to have people like that in your life in all in all respects. In all regards. Yeah. Whether it's creatively or in personal life or friendships or relationships, Mm -hmm. it's like. Yeah, in order to be better, you mm. have to be a, be comfortable receiving things that might feel uncomfortable. But, yeah, it's it's just pick and choose what you move forward with and let go of the rest, I think. Totally. And what would you say is your uh, relationship to your, like, inner critic or your self-doubt? Because mm. I don't know about you, but it's something that I deal with a lot and mm. I try to turn the volume down but I think for years when I was working on my own which Mm -hmm. I'm no longer doing and it's been so game-changing for that voice because Mm. I spent so much time just being like I'm rubbish (laughs) you know like just listening to that voice and then you know wondering if anyone else feels the same or Mm. if it's just me going in loops in my head oh yeah definitely it's I think like the moment you feel like you integrate as being like I'm always going to have a part of me that's going to be that inner critic because this job you have to be so many hats so kind of almost not being so wary but knowing when you listen to that voice because it comes like it's there for a reason and you have to think like why what's the source of that voice is Mm. it fear Mm. am I afraid of something um you know or am I feeling like I'm not worthy of something um, or is it that I just don't have the tools? Like, I just don't know. It's Or this idea is just too, it's not formed yet. You know what I mean? Mm. So I feel like, you know, that criticism plays a place in kind of letting, I feel like myself know what it is that's like not flowing right. So like, I feel like a thing that's coming up at the moment is I'm sort of, you know, trying to figure out what what my next moves are and like where I want to go and like what does the next few years look like for me. Um, And like what comes with that is, you know, not wanting these like self-limiting beliefs of being like, oh, like 
if I like under dream <laughs> or whatever, like, am I devaluing myself or do I not feel like I could do that? But then also not being unrealistic. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a really hard thing to balance. Isn't it? And it's also important to be even aware of what your self-limiting beliefs are. Yeah. Like, what would you say your main ones are? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think for me I really struggle with things that don't feel like the safer option. Mm-hmm. Things that are safe and, like, secure feel good, right? Like we like to know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. Um, that feels really nice. Mm-hmm. But the other side of that is like you can't grow unless you try something really scary sometimes, <laughs> you know, risk. And we have to give it a go. And I feel like being an artist is full of risk. You're constantly taking risks. I mean, being an artist full stop <laughs> is taking a risk. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. There's no stability. There's no guarantee of income or work or anything it's just like the most unstable path yeah totally and I think for me at the moment it's like well yeah where do I want to go like do I where do I want to show my work like you know what are institutions do I want to be a part of like do I want to be a part of um and I guess yeah that's like a big challenge at the moment it's just a lot of like thinking and planning and dreaming and then just being like well now you have to do them (laughs) and you have to give it a go and yeah I think can always feel really scary but yeah you just have to try (laughs) you just have to try I don't know is it because you're afraid of like being rejected or you're afraid if you take a risk it won't work or like Mm. what is what is the aversion to the risk that is your main concern I would say, yeah, I mean, it probably comes down, boils down to like, you know, wanting to be like accepted, wanting to be like belong in the community as an artist. Like, you know, if people don't like your work anymore or, you know, they don't, yeah, want to buy it or they don't want to, that doesn't resonate with them. Mm. That is like just naturally (laughs) an underlying fear, I guess. Yeah. But. I think that everyone probably feels that way (laughs) in some form or another. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And, like, there's always some part of my brain that's, like, are people, like, is my work just going to, like, disappear one day? Are people just going to, you know, because we live in a world that's so, like, fast in its Mm. trends and this and that. And I, yeah, always wonder, like, are people just going to get bored and move on? And, you know, and I'm sure that everyone feels like that on some (laughs) level. Totally. um, Yeah. And it's, like, tricky as well, I feel, you know, because, like, the, I mean, the Melbourne art scene, the Australian art scene is really small compared to the rest of the world. And so those, like, self-limiting beliefs kind of come up again of being, like, when we think about what, you know, we can do, we really think really kind of smaller. And then, yeah, it's just about making plans and figure out what you can do. And I think particularly as a femme you kind of limit yourself or you feel a bit nervous or you lack a bit of like confidence sometimes in trying to figure out what you want to do and step forward with feels nerve-wracking yeah it definitely (laughs) does the biggest pay gap in the world is actually within art yeah right okay so male artists have paid like a substantially or historically it's always been an art piece will go up in value like astronomically if it's signed by like a male artist 
And then also it's been like shown that a value of an artwork can actually go down if a woman signs her work. Whoa. Which is changing massively now, but like over the last hundred years is like it's been crazy like to see that how big the pay gap is in the art world and I think men have no um not as much fear around mm. knowing, knowing yeah what their value is and being mm-hmm. like this is the price and that's it there's no yeah. oh but this and what is it am I worth it and <laughs> oh but I'm sure some people do have mm. that but I think naturally to be like a sensitive person to be an artist and then to be identifying as female or femme like you there's so much chatter oh yeah like your choices and being solid I struggle being solid with my choice like Mm. this is the price and then I think oh Mm -hmm. but like someone says oh can I buy it for this you're like do I say yes or yeah is that devaluing myself am I going against my my own word of you know bending the rules (laughs) totally and that comes down to like yeah, like your approachability and people, mm. you know, meet you and they get along with you and they like you. And then so they ask questions that maybe they wouldn't ask other people, like your mm. male mm. peers. You know, that's kind of the truth. Maybe, yeah, totally echo that sentiment big time. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, especially when you're starting off. Yes. I feel like my arm was pretty... Um, twistable. Twisty. <laughs> yeah. Twisty. Mine was too big yeah. time. And sometimes it still is. Like if I'm in a period of like mm. maybe I haven't sold any work for ages and, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's so hard because you try to detach from the sales element of of a work and and connecting that to whether it's successful or not. But mm. then, you know, you've gone however many months without making any money and you're like, okay, m- maybe I do just want to bend my rules here because I need to make money. But it's just also like... You know, the yeah. value of it, does it sh- does it shift the value of the work mm-hmm. if you're then like, mm-hmm. okay, sure, I'll give it to you for $2,000 cheaper just because you asked me. You know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. some people, if you say no to the discount, they still buy it anyway. I've had yeah. that so many times. Yep. <laughs> so it's just like being strong in your, you know. And it comes back to like the insecurities, like the fear and the risk that you have yeah. in this kind of work. And, you know, it's the same as any kind of freelancers, like, you don't know when you're going to get your next job. You don't know. None of it is guaranteed. And so there is a degree of like you're kind of always working and you're always trying to work towards, yeah, your your image or your your brand or like however you want to see that because it all relates and it all comes back to that and it takes years and years and years to build up. Um, you know, clientele and people who who will buy work off you in that way. Mm-hmm. It's your, your the image that you um yeah emit. Yeah, it's so true. And what would you say like your biggest lessons have been so far since you started? Like this is pr- maybe a very big question, but yeah, like what what if you reflect back on your time painting? Like what have been the the things that you now know that you have learned and you can recognize in yourself that like oh I've got better at that or like I've learned that. I reckon one big lesson is like to outsource the things that you sometimes don't know how to do. Amen to that. Because there are so many people who are really good at those things that Mm -hmm. I'm not really good at Mm -hmm. and it shows and it makes so much difference. (laughs) You know, like I guess, um, you know, that boils down to things like, yeah, just anything like coming down to like stretching work or like obviously framing like I don't know how to frame so I get my works framed like Mm -hmm. I would never try and frame my own work 
Although I know a lot of artists that do, but it's just not a skill that I have at this point. And you acknowledge that you don't have those skills yeah. and that it's, you know, ultimately going to look better and be better and less oh, yeah. stressful if you just 100%. outsource stuff. There are people who are amazing at framing and mm-hmm. so I get them to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's a really big lesson and like knowing when to ask for help mm. is in like the similar vein, you know. I think that, um, yeah, like yeah. I definitely get in this space where I sometimes think that I have to do everything myself and I have to do it my way and... I'm really stressed about whatever it is, the way that I'm going about it. And then I realize that I doesn't have to be like this. Yeah. And it's really simple. Something is just like, you know, asking for help, whether it's something physical or helping with a job or airing out something that's, you know, been on your mind mm-hmm. that you're just trying to like conceptualize like yeah it's definitely a big one because I'm such a people pleaser as well Mm. and I am such a perfectionist so really just trying to work with those two things and being like unraveling this idea that I have to be everything and it Mm. has to be perfect yeah it's just not realistic it's such an unachievable um, like you're setting the bar so high aren't you for yourself totally and it's just not a reasonable thing to expect of others let alone yourself exactly so that would probably be a really big one. And also I just wanted to ask because I'm, I'm interested in this because I feel like this is something that maybe a lot of artists mm. struggle with and I definitely have had this journey of like, you know, finding my identity as an artist and working within a style and having this belief that in order to be recognisable as an artist, I have to have like a specific style of work mm. and that has to be my style and then, you know, I've struggled with moving around a lot in my styles because I do that a lot and then there's some part of me that's anxious about the fact I don't have like an identity as an artist or a specific style Mm. and you I feel like you've naturally always had like a very um, unique style Mm. and that's very identifiable like if you were to see a piece of Mm -hmm. yours out in the world you're like yeah Charlotte's work Mm -hmm. but have you ever felt like trapped in your own style or have you ever felt like you have wanted to grow away from the type of work that you make, but there has been really difficult um, gap between people only wanting to buy works that have your mm-hmm. specific Charlotte Oldest people style. Yeah. Mary Teabag. What was her name? <laughs> <laughs> Melanie Teabag. Melanie Teabag. <laughs> yeah, like absolutely 100% have felt that way. And I think for me the way that I've really balanced that is by – um, I guess just trying to dip into other mediums and materials. And I think probably art therapy training has really helped in that way because we do work with like every medium. So, um, knowing that there's art that's like for my practice and then art that's just cathartic or for processing or for, anything else Mm. and then yeah like that might just be work that's just never shown so kind of having like outlets in different ways has been really helpful but yes definitely there's been times especially when I was doing commissions like a few years ago you know people would email saying oh I want a replica of this Mm. and so then I would be like oh no I don't want to do that like that feels really regressive yeah and and it feels like they may be missing the point of art in the first mm, place you know like yeah and I was like oh I don't think this is going to be furthering my skills and my practice this doesn't really feel right mm. so 
Yeah, I think ultimately like dealing with that a little bit, but then you realize that people will just love, if they love your work, they love all the marks that you make. And if you continue to make a lot of work and you continue your practice, people know when it's your work, I feel, you know, they can see it's your, your marks, like it's obvious in that way. I don't know, maybe that's just my opinion, my experience, but yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. And I think understandably people like what they know they don't like something they've never seen yet so that's just totally normal (laughs) yeah it's so true isn't it and if people like the style of what you create Mm. it's not necessarily always the exact imagery it's the way in which you paint or it's the gestures or the colors or yeah like I think it can be hard as an artist to feel brave enough to step away from something that you know you're comfortable with and Mm. that you know in order to go in in a new direction means that you maybe have to go through this like teething phase of like being really shit (laughs) yeah and being like oh I don't know what this is and like this doesn't look good and what am I doing you know and totally where am I going with this and like no one's gonna want to buy this and blah 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 but like I think it's so important even if it never gets seen. hundred percent. I think what's like interesting that happens now, which is really different to perhaps artists like before social media is that they would change styles all the time, but Mm. you know, they would just have another exhibition and maybe the works would change slowly over time, but we, you would only see the works at the show or wherever they were being exhibited. Right. But now because of social media, we can go on and see an instant catalogue that yeah. visually document at our fingertips we have a comparison yeah. where otherwise, you know, you would have just, if you loved an artist, you might have gone along to all their exhibitions over, you know, 10, 20, 30 years and it would have, of course, changed yeah. over time, just yeah. naturally would have, but you would just, yeah, be appreciative of their art and it might have been so subtle over time that you didn't notice or you didn't have that right in front of you visual reminder and so I think it's easy to be more critical and compare in that way if that Mm. makes sense I feel like I had this really funny piece of advice which honestly I think checks out which is like if you're going to change your style have like an exhibition where you almost like soft launch like a bit of in between so you do like a bit of a stepping stone yeah you've got to like guide the people and be like this is where I'm going yeah yeah this is what (laughs) you know this is what you don't know and look how they can communicate yeah totally that's a smart idea because I feel like your work particularly your latest body of work is like so much more mature Mm. I don't know if that's how it feels but the color palette in particular I feel like you're stepping into like a totally new more like mature Kate or something Mm. not serious I'm a grown up (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly like it's not I love the works, by the way, like oh, the fish and just the colours are just, yeah, really amazing and rich and like earthy. Mm. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's just totally how it feels. It feels like a natural evolution, but also it does feel like, I don't know, yeah, like a like I have matured. I don't know if I've matured Yeah, I guess as a person and then also <laughs> as an artist, but mainly it's been teaching teaching myself to be comfortable with working with these colours. So like mm. I found at the beginning of my practice, I painted so much with bright colours because mm-hmm. that's what kind of just came naturally to me. But then mm-hmm. I had a real aversion and a fear around mm. working with like tonal colours or much more soft muted colours because I just... Yep didn't know what went together. I didn't know yep. even how to mix those colours. Yeah. It's such a learning process, isn't it? And totally. you have to really be comfortable with like producing a lot of work that like ultimately 
gets painted over or yeah. you know doesn't work like yeah. so many i can't like literally can't lost count the amount of <laughs> works i've done i've been like yeah i mean close but not quite but every time yeah. you're learning something you oh know? yeah it's just like it's just putting in hours honestly mm. like it's a life like you know gosh i hope i paint for the rest of my life but you know i imagine that i'll look back on this period and be like wow like your work was so different then and like how much has happened yeah you know because that could be in like 30 40 50 years from now yeah looking back at all the works you've made and yeah I think you just have to keep going like just keep painting and putting in hours like you learn so much you do I learn something with every painting yeah yeah absolutely certain brushes do which what they do and you learn oh if I I put this color with this one it Mm -hmm. does this or yeah, it's just it's just a figuring it out process, isn't it? Like, did you study art? No. I mean, now you, I want to talk about art therapy. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. But did you study art before you started your painting practice? I did a year of fine arts at Monash mm-hmm. and I was doing like, yeah, that was just like very general. They make you do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I was just like, how old was I? I was like 20 and I was like, this is not for me right now. Yeah. I was just so restless and wasn't really drawn to it it didn't feel exactly right and I just wanted to do heaps of other things Mm -hmm. I wanted to travel yeah it just wasn't right at that time and I'm really glad I didn't go back I actually did a psychology degree a few Mm -hmm. years afterwards so yeah that's my that's my undergrad wow (laughs) okay so you so you have fully just taught yourself to paint yeah because it's come from you painting from a young age and then just exploring over time. And I think yeah. that's what's so beautiful about your work. It's so explorative mm. and playful and mm. you can really see that you are exploring yourself but also the works you can see over the years they've evolved but there's still there's a growth there. I yeah, think. yeah. I think the biggest thing and like I guess this is just naturally what it would have happen if I'd gone to art school is like you just need hours to learn how to use materials yeah what works together yeah there's so much how to use the tools that you have Mm -hmm. um different techniques mixing colors like it just takes so much time Mm -hmm. and practice so yeah I feel definitely like I've learned so much over the last few years but yeah I'm glad I didn't go to art school and kind of just did it on my own a a little bit yeah and I think that really fits with your way of working is so playful that I think perhaps art school and structure and no this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't like maybe that would have brought it would have potentially dulled some of your Mm -hmm. playful approach Mm -hmm. to painting and I think really being if you're being really childlike in the way you paint with your hands or you know just so many different ways that you can do it that they're not going to protect the silliness at all costs (laughs) you know like maybe it would be interesting like maybe your your style would be more serious or maybe Mm. you would um not feel so free to paint so intuitively if you had gone and studied it yeah who knows yeah is the answer but yeah I definitely feel good in my choice not to and feel that learning a lot on my own was really helpful and really like therapeutic and not kind of placing like academic stress on it was really what I needed because I guess you know it really started out as being a very therapeutic place or just like a yeah a place where I felt very much myself and I just Mm. enjoyed it and I didn't really know that it would yeah take 
the journey that it has, but yeah, definitely feel good about that. So you studied psychology yeah. and then you've gone on to study in recent years yes. art therapy as well. Yes. Love this. Can you tell me more about <laughs> it? Yeah, sure. Um, I just, yeah, finished my master's last year and yeah, it was quite a journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Art therapy is, yeah, it's a, it's a practice, a form of like psychotherapy where we we use art as the main modality, as the tool. So often, you know, it's really, really supportive for people who don't necessarily feel comfortable talking. It can be, you know, sometimes involved talking, but it's often used as an additional tool. And, yeah, it's it's been amazing. I mean, I've seen uh, it be so helpful to, you know, people all across the age, like lifespan and so many different settings and circumstances like community settings in like medical and like rehabilitation schools I think you know art is like that language that really like traverses kind of Mm. like what we were saying before like across cultures and across languages like it's a really amazing tool that can yeah just really connect people to a sense of belonging sense of community a really safe way sometimes as well to like express yourself um, and really big feelings that we sometimes just don't have words for. Yeah, I think there's so, yeah. often such a big gap, isn't there, between like feeling, uh, I guess, especially in children, but also as adults as well, mm. people who don't have, you know, I, I do it sometimes where like you don't know how you feel and you can just paint and you just instantly feel better and yeah. you purge these feelings that you have and mm. both with your psychology and your art therapy background, mm. like has that really played a part in you understanding your own practice better and bringing that into your your work yeah I I guess like a lot of my work I feel like has a lot of like psychological themes Mm -hmm. that you know have come up throughout my works and so yeah to be honest I feel like art therapy doing my master's alongside the practice over the last three years has had a huge impact on my work and I would say particularly in how I think about my work mm. and how I think a lot about my process. And um, how, how do you think differently now compared to, mm, like, in what way has it helped with your thinking? I think probably just being more critical or being more, like, curious um, in kind of unpacking, you know, what is coming up for me behind this work or, like, what feelings have arisen or what has you know, encourage me to like make this work. Like what is behind this? What was I feeling when I did it? Why do I want to paint? You know, what is the drive in me that wants to do this? So yeah, I think just being, it's made me more inquisitive into myself and my practice and definitely with others, which I think, yeah, you know, particularly with what I'm working on at the moment, Um, has been really special and I feel like has put a lot of uh, these, uh, I guess, ideas all kind of have come together now. Mm. So, yeah, thinking about your practice and what's meaningful to me has probably been one of the biggest things. And also just uh, witnessing such a big thing in art therapy is like you witness other people's journey towards connecting with art and art making and their process and Mm. witnessing that in them and that is like honestly the most amazing thing about Mm. art therapy it is so rewarding to see people you know make art to be proud of their 
artist identity, to see them grow, to feel empowered in, yeah, it's a massive privilege to work with people in that space, like absolutely. So Yeah, I bet it is. Yeah. It must be so amazing to see like, you know, what they're like at the start mm. and then to watch that evolution yeah. of, um, of you know, the sort of confidence that comes with creating and building that. Um, and for some people, you know, like it's not necessarily about like making art, it's it could be about connecting with art. So mm. like some people might like viewing art and then talking about or you know, yeah, it might bring up a lot of memories or talking about how that resonates for them. So it's like, it's just, yeah, it's powerful. It's a powerful tool that I feel like can resonate with people in different ways. You don't have to be an artist. Um, no. You don't have to have ever made art before. It's all about the material world. Like art therapy, in my opinion, in my practice, can expand to things like cooking mm. and gardening. You know, it's about the colors of a room or the aesthetics like how it make you feel and like it's just really different for everybody yeah, yeah. and it makes sense because I have that exact thing too mm. where like there's making actual pieces of art but then mm -hmm. there's like all these other sides of life which are also part of the practice you know like mm. art is an extension of us but then also so is all the other things that that feed us you know for me it's the totally. same it's like being outdoors it's being in the garden or it's cooking mm -hmm. it's all like creativity comes in so many forms totally. and I think the more like things you do to enrich you outside of your studio mm -hmm. I think the more and the more knowledge you build or the more reflection or or yeah inquiry you do to to yourself um only feeds the work I think in totally. in a lot of ways yeah it's it's just like you kind of like what some of the first questions you asked me it's like you keep going back to the source like what makes you burn like what makes you uh get up in the morning what excites you like why you know as artists we're all like obsessed with something mm -hmm, 100%. <laughs> and like what makes you do what you do like you can't you don't you don't do this kind of work because you just um accidentally ended up there <laughs> exactly you know yeah. there's something that you're really trying to work with and that you're really interested in and so the work of being an artist is to keep digging keep inquiring and mm. I think that's really cool yeah it is it's so mm. special isn't it and that that's also I think what should be the main drive behind mm. behind work because mm. it's like you're always just exploring mm. like what if I did this or what if I did that mm. or I think that curious brain is something that we have again as children mm. but like mm. can so easily be stripped away and for me there's definitely been challenged with that within like okay like making money and then wanting to explore you know working in different ways but then there's this funny like push and pull dynamic between work that you know is commercially viable but also you being able to tune out whether like your audience will like this piece or not yeah. because you're doing it for you and not for someone else. And I think when you start to make money through making art, it can really pull you away from the source quite quickly. And I think like, yeah, these practices of doing stuff outside of that. And I imagine, yeah, you studying so much about art therapy and psychotherapy and understanding yourself better has only just helped you with, you know, really building a stronger force around mm. like what is your core source mm -hmm. yeah and like you know just seeing that like one of the biggest things that people you know art really makes 
like facilitates belonging and connection Mm. and like, you know, those like really amazing qualities that is like what we're all kind of seeking, you know, and I think, yeah, I, I guess for me that is also a lot of themes in my work is like searching and, you know, belonging and finding like connection through friendships and family and grief and loss and joy and like the whole, you know, spectrum of human emotions. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, I feel like that's the perfect place to end the pod. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much. No worries. Thank you so much for talking so openly and honestly. (laughs) And I have honestly loved watching your journey as an artist and will continue to watch from afar because I'm in bloody (laughs) Queensland. (laughs) Wish we were closer. Yes. But um, come visit. Yeah, definitely. If people want to find you, where do they find you? Um, under a rock <laughs> yeah that's it under a rock best place to find me is probably on instagram yeah which is my handle is just my name charlotte aldis or my website i guess as well if you just type my name in it should come up amazing love it thank Mwah. you, thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. I would be so grateful if you could rate and share this podcast. It really helps us build the platform. And follow along for further content at Nitty Gritty Podcast on Instagram. Thank you.